Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis. So, you want to ride a motorcycle better, faster, safer, with more skill and confidence? Or do you want to ride a motorcycle for the first time? Or ride again after taking a break from riding? Well, the purpose of my podcast is to help grow the sport of motorcycling by helping riders of all levels, whether they are new to motorcycling or not, increase their knowledge and skills so that they are better, smarter, safer riders and are getting everything they want out of motorcycling, whether it's on the street, on the track, or maybe even as a fan or a participant in some form of motorcycle racing. My game is to help all motorcyclists up their game. This is episode 43 titled, It's Hammer Time. In this episode, I have a cool discussion with Jason Madama, a motorcycle racer with 17 years of experience who has been racing in the Moto America Twins Cup Series since 2018. Jason, who is also known by the nickname Hammer, is also a freelance graphics designer and has his own graphics design company, Syndicate Graphics, which does a lot of graphics and livery design for other club and professional motorcycle racers. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, May 6th, 2020, and is being published on Thursday, May 7th, 2020. I hope you enjoy it. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by the following supporters of my podcast. Thumper Club member John Gardner, also known as G4, Parallel Twin Club members Shane Patilla and Jerry Vavaro, V-Twin Club members Richard Warfield Jr. of R-Dub Studios LLC and Harley Nemzer from the On the Road Again Motorcycle School, Triple Club member Aaron at The Motorcycle Rider, and V4 Club member John Del Vecchio from the Street Skills LLC Motorcycle Riding School and author of the book, Corner and Confidence. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your support. It is greatly needed and very much appreciated. If you would like to join these supporters to help grow my podcast and other motorcycle-related content and thus contribute to the growth of the sport of motorcycling, please stay tuned to the end of this episode or check out the podcast supporters link on my website. I would also like to announce the new affiliates program. If you go to the affiliates page on my website, you will see the companies that I have partnered with to bring you some of the motorcycle gear and services that I use myself. Not only will you benefit from their products and services, but if you make a purchase using the links on this page, you'll also be helping to support the podcast financially. So I'd like to welcome these affiliates. Street Skills LLC, which provides the Corner and Confidence book and online course, if you purchase a course or course and book combination from my website, you'll also be listed as a supporter on my podcast supporters page as a Parallel Twin Club member. If you are already a podcast supporter, a portion of the purchase price will be credited towards your next support level. And I'd also like to welcome Bond Body Armor, which I've been using for a couple of years now. If you go to their website using the affiliate link, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from their online store using the discount code they provide. Tell them you heard about Bond Body Armor from this podcast and get a free helmet liner. My special guest tonight is Jason Madama, who hails from Colorado. He's been racing in Moto America since 2016 and in the Twins Cup since 2018. 
That year, he finished second, only three points behind Chris Parrish, who took the championship overall. Uh, he placed sixth in 2019 out of a field of over 30 bikes. He's a graphics designer that has his own company, Syndicate Graphics, and he's still in, involved in club racing with his buddies under the Syndicate Racing banner. So, Jason, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. I hope I got that stuff right there in the intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounded pretty good, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right, cool. My pleasure. So, yeah, so... um. I've been, I know I've been following you on Facebook and Instagram for quite some time, and it was cool because we got to meet in person at Barber, I guess it was, last year uh, at, at the end of the Motor America season. Um, yep. But I had kind of, whatever, noticed you noticed you and your bike. I guess that's the way, you know, your, your bike livery and, and like the colors and stuff on your race suit. Um, because the the, the jersey the, the race at Jersey Motorsports Park, you know, in 2019, that was the first race I went to live and where I was doing photography and stuff like that. And I have to say, like, and, and it's interesting because it, the Moto America article I was reading before, you know, the Friday Five that the, they they showcased you, they kind of made the same point. Like you're like you're the most uh, photogenic or photographic bike out there uh, on the track, and you know, and, uh, to, for me that includes like. All the all the series, you know, super bike, super sport, the whole thing. So I just every time I saw you go by, I was like, oh, there he is again. <laughs> so grab, grabbing as many pictures as I could, and I just lucked out at the end. Of, I don't know if it was end of a race or a practice or whatever. You kind of did a nice wheelie on one of the little back stretches that I was able to catch. I like to share that one on social media whenever I can. So I hope you don't mind that. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's, that's really cool. So, so actually, I guess maybe that's a, a good kind of segue into this. So, you know, like I said, one of the things that mentioned in the article, and and I'll I'll put the link in the in the show notes for the podcast is, you, you by trade you're a graphic designer. So obviously, you know, it looks like you bring your skills as a designer and an artist to your bike and your livery and and whatever. So, like, how how has that livery kind of come together. Like I know it, it mentioned, and it's obvious from the bike that like pink, pink is one of your favorite colors. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, totally. You know, I like, uh, like you said, I'm a graphic designer and a lot of my work is motorcycle based. I do a bunch of graphics for race bikes and, you know, trailer wraps and stuff like that. And so obviously I have to make mine look as good as possible because, uh, that's what I do, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah no that's a good point your bike is the showpiece right so it's like if people are like hey what can you do it's like well there it is yeah <laughs> and i thought about it for a while and i was like oh man everyone has you know all these colors and you know and so trying to find something a little bit uh different than the norm um you know actually the pink sort of started back uh when me and my wife opened a uh our wedding dress store and her all our walls were painted like neon pink and that was kind of the color. And so sort of as a joke, I did uh, one of my bikes that year with pink and uh, I ended up winning the championship. And so after that, everyone's like, well, you can't go back to, you know, your normal <laughs> colors now. And now you have right. to be pink. And so we sort of named our bikes. We named the unicorn and the rabbit and, and mm -hmm. they were always pink and they always had a lot of pink and neon yellow is like one of my other kind of favorite bright colors. And so this year, uh, I saw a Toyota or an Audi had that kind of Nardo flat battleship gray. And I thought that would be a cool base. And then I just dragged the pink and yellow in and, you know, tied a little bit of digital camo into it. And I think it came out really cool. I mean, I have a couple of suit companies that I work with that are really good about, you know, matching everything up perfectly with colors and graphics. And so I think we put together a pretty good package, you know, so it was cool, man. I, I definitely dug it. Like you said, it got a lot of attention. So. Yeah, no, that's great. That's awesome. So yeah, I'll have to. I'm I'm sure I've seen you've posted photos right of of the 2020 colors on on yeah, social media, right? 
Yeah, so I had a couple leftover bodywork sets. So I had the same base, but I got rid of the camo and I swapped a little bit of black and I got new suits and helmets. And so it's going to look similar. I'm going to have the same wheels. Like I have pink wheels and I have uh, my set of race wheels that are have pink a- accents and, you know, the frame on the bike's still pink and uh, some of the accents are still pink. It's a little different. I mean, it's got different sponsors and it's, you know, it's it'll look really good. It's pretty similar to what it was, but it's got a little bit more black instead of the camouflage and some other stuff. But yeah, yeah. so pretty close. Yeah, that's cool. I guess you have to change it up a little bit, right? Year to year. You know, you can't. I mean, one, I guess, because, yeah, like with new sponsors, I guess you want, you know, not not that I'm knowledgeable about this stuff, but it makes sense to me, right? It's like, you know, if you're changing sponsors or whatever, you want to look that kind of reflects them, right? That that's like, so that's their livery, you know, as opposed to the same thing you ran the the previous year or whatever. Yeah, so like the the uh, Twins Cup number plates are blue and I'm not a huge fan of blue. And so my other sponsor last year, Riders Law's main color is blue. And so they forced me to put blue on the bike. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> I had to tell the blue. I couldn't stand the blue. So the only thing blue on my bike now is the number plates, which is just, you know, for tech reasons. But uh, okay. uh, yeah, so I kind of went a little bit darker this year, a little bit more like my suits are all now black with a little bit of pink accents and the bike's mostly black. And okay. so it's, a, it's still got some fancy pink to it, but it's uh, just ditch some of that blue and the camouflage and stuff. So gotcha. gotcha, gotcha. Makes sense. So then, so, so obviously you do a good job of matching the suit and helmet and everything to the, to the bike colors and stuff. So like the companies that you're working with, I, I get that they're making custom suits for you basically, I guess, right. Where you, do, yeah. you, do you like, you know, do you give them the color layout or do you just send them the bike livery and then they kind of figure out the suit? No, I actually design them all myself. So uh, they send me PDF files of the suit, which are vector files, and I can adjust colors and add my own logos. And um, we pick Panatone colors for the leather. And, you know, obviously I've had the same colors for the last couple of years. So we have those colors pretty dialed in and they match really good. And, uh, you know, I change it up a little bit. Uh, you know, like I said, stripes placements and logo placements and patterns and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, they're all custom suits, custom fit. So, okay. Gotcha. Cool. Now, just out of curiosity, what, what does a custom suit cost you? Like when you do something like that with all the, you know, basically spec'd out the way you want it to look. Yeah. I mean, I, I work with plus, uh, plus racing is one of the companies that I work with and they have a really nice airbag suit and a bunch of features. And I mean, I'm not going to, don't quote me exactly, but I think they're upwards of like, 1200 to 1600 bucks or something and then mm-hmm. uh okay. another company that i work with janman um they they're a little cheaper they're still really really good suits uh but they don't have the airbag and um i don't know a little bit less options and stuff but they're like around a thousand bucks or 800 bucks so they're not wow. okay. super super expensive i mean they're when you start getting into the you know high-end custom alpine stars and dionysies and all that they're a couple grand uh even you know, other companies are pretty expensive, so they're well, they're reasonably reasonably priced, and I've field tested a handful of them. So, <laughs> so you know that they take a beating. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it, it's actually funny. One of the interviews I did just a couple episodes ago was I don't know if you know them, Heroic Racing Apparel. Um, he he does uh, he does you know like uh, off the rack, but he also does custom suits, and uh, he's got his own design of gloves and stuff like that, race gloves or whatever. But yeah. you know, on the on the show with him was this guy Chris Onweiler, who was a was a club racer, um, and and it was just funny because it, basically the joke was that you know this guy Todd who who owns Heroic Racing Apparel, he said mm-hmm. that. This this racer Chris is basically his crash test dummy. Like he he wears he wears his gear and then he crashes and then he, he reports back. Hey, you know, and then whatever they talk about. Hey, can we maybe fix this or change this or this work great? And yeah, yeah. 
So I did with my company when I first started working with Jan Man. Uh, they were kind of bad, and I had a, a a guy that was local here, Nate Butler. Uh, rest in peace. He's a good friend of mine that passed away, but. Uh, he was a custom suit designer in town. And so between him and me working with this company that, you know, is obviously foreign out of, out of the country, uh, making these suits, we got them pretty dialed in. I mean, we figuring out where to place stitching and double stitching and, you know, pad placement and liners and, you know, all the kind of measurements and getting all that sorted so that when you custom measure somebody, they're not, you know, they don't fit crappy. And so yeah. I did that. I've been working with that company for shit, six or seven years. Uh, it's been a pretty long time. So. Like I said, I'm kind of their crash crash test down. <laughs> right, well, but but that's cool too. That you look, you know, it sounds like you you have input into the suits and the design, and you know, obviously you can get something that suits you better. better yeah, absolutely, too. man. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, back back. I mean, we were talking a long time ago. There wasn't really much options of that, and uh, I always kind of had crazy libraries being a graphic designer and you know making all my bikes look really cool. And so being able to find custom suits that were exactly how i wanted and you know fit me perfect and it was it was pretty badass man i i definitely dug it so it's been fun oh that's really cool and it's an, it's interesting too like the crossover like your wife's business with the the but basically bridal shop right it's like she does dresses and yeah, like, like yeah. stuff right so I, I don't know like how much exposure that's given you to to you know clothing things and sizing like i could see kind of a crossover there right you know it's like how do you properly yeah. size and it's stuff? kind of we had tailors measuring us at first but then it just started becoming a pain in the butt. So we, uh, like I, I said, did. we working with the, the measurement sheets and making sure that everybody does it the same and, you know, yeah. marking the right spots. And we've gotten it pretty sorted. But, uh, I mean, her seamstress that she has in-house, you know, will help me do stuff if I don't want to send the suit out, you know, like it patches sewn on or whatever. But, not, I mean, it's kind of a whole different game. That she, yeah. Wedding dresses are completely different. No, no, no. I got that. No, definitely, I got that. Right. It's a little. It's like, yeah, you got wedding dresses are usually a little more frilly than race leathers and stuff. Like that. <laughs> I, I avoid the shop like the plague. I'm not cute enough to sell wedding dresses. So, <laughs> but it's cool that she does that. She's got her own thing going. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Um. So with the the plus suit, you mentioned like you've got an airbag, right? That's that's built into the suit. What 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 technology do they go with? Is that like, do you select the one you want or are they partnered with a particular brand? Yeah, they have like an insert that goes in. That's a different brand. And, uh, I actually, I haven't crashed in my plus suit, so I don't know what the functionality of it yet. I haven't had, had it like recharged or anything. And I'm not really even sure how it works. I never really got that into it. I think it's got a cartridge, some sort of CO2 cartridge or something in it. Um, right. but yeah, I never, uh, I never had to, I never crashed in that one. So. Oh, well, <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. Like, you know, I've talked about this on other other episodes. It's like, you know, gear to me, it's important, but it's like insurance, right? It's like you hope you never need it. But yeah. when you need it, it's good when it's there and it's good quality and it saves your ass, you know? I can tell it's a great suit. I mean, it fits really well and it's, you know, got the padding in the right spots and, uh, you know, it's well well made, so... I'm, yeah. I'm not too worried, but yeah, like you said, it is sort of insurance. <laughs> yeah. Now that, so that the, the airbag system they use, it's an electronic one, I'm guessing, right? Like that yeah. seems to be the trend. It's not, it's not like a tether one. And actually no. I'm guessing like for racing application, I'm guessing everybody, you know, all the airbag suits are electronic based, right? Cause you don't want something tying you onto the bike. Cause I know like street riders and some track day riders, they'll use like, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, I forget the name of it, but whatever, there's an airbag, is it one or two popular airbag systems, but they're tethered to the bike. Basically, it requires you coming off the bike for them to deploy. 
Um, I feel like I'd do like a stand-up wheelie and I'd pull that thing on accident and uh, my airbag would go off. That could be a bummer. That could be a real bummer. Like, I don't know if you, uh, if you follow um, or have ever done business with sport bike track gear, right? Brian van. I, I, I follow his YouTube channel and stuff. And, you know, he has all kinds of track and, and race type gear and he's done videos, you know, like airbag suits, like what it's like when they go off. Um, and it's funny just to watch the expression on people's faces, like, especially, you know, if they've never been in an airbag suit that went off before, just cause it is, you know, it just, it's, it's like a gunshot going off one, one, the sound. You know, and then it just, you know, it happens so quickly. Right. And they, they puff out like the kid from a uh, Christmas story, you know, you know that, right. That's movie where he's like, he's, he's all puffed, puffed out in his, uh, his, you know, his snowsuit or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We were at the IMS, the international motorcycle show this year. I was, uh, working with Imperial Aprilia, uh, we're trying to actually get one of those 660s for 2021 to race in the Twins Cup uh, with Aprilia and Imperial. So that could oh, be kind of nice. cool. But it, yeah, one of my buddies tested the air, the Alpine Star airbag, and it was funny. It scared the crap out of him and blew yeah. him up. Man, it was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. That's pretty wild stuff. But it's it's great gear. I mean, it's it's cool. It's cool to see that stuff out there. Um, and and it's good that you know it's it's getting I think to a pretty affordable price now where. You know, pretty much anyone that wants one, you know, can do it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's not prohibitive anymore. I really wish they had them years ago. I got, whew, let me think, eighteen pins and all sorts of plates in both my collarbones, man. So, wow, <laughs> is, is that? Yeah, no, I hear you. You know, it's it's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I interviewed Kyle Wyman, and um, he's had nineteen nineteen surgeries, eighteen related to motorcycle crashes. Um, and it's just it, it, it's just interesting, right? Because one of the things, you know, I, I don't know how much you know about the the background of my podcast, but right, basically, like long story short, so I started riding back in 2016, fell in love with motorcycles. I was a big auto racing fan. That wasn't so interesting anymore. I just started following motorcycle racing, and so you know, more and more, I've been learning more and more about it, and you know, the different series and. Primarily, I'm a Moto America fan just because it's it's cool stuff. It's very accessible. It's U.S. based. You know, I still watch MotoGP and World Superbike, but I do what I can yeah. to help promote Moto America and stuff. And you know, street riding is still a lot of fun for me. But I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe it's time to get out on the track and start experiencing that. And so I've gotten interested in gear and you know, researching gear and and what's what's good gear and stuff like that. But the point I'm getting to is that the more I talk to racers. And track day guys, the more, you know, it's just like crashing just goes with the, with the sport. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm totally in favor of street riders, you know, being sensible, taking it easy and not crashing because that's not the place to do it. But it seems you know, and basically, cause when I first got started riding, I heard people who said, you know, that there's two types of riders, right? There's riders who've crashed and there's riders that haven't crashed yet. And I never, I never liked that. Cause I'm like, what are you saying? Like, because I'm a street rider, I have to eventually crash, you know? And, and I don't believe on the street that that is true, but you know, like I said, as the more I learn about track riding, the more it's like, it's just part of the game. Like, you yeah. Know, I mean, if, yeah. Good. I mean, there's a, there's a point to where if you're going to try and win and you want to really push the limit, uh, you have to know where it's at. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, you can get lucky like Marquez and save a bunch of these crashes if you're really, really talented. But I mean, typically uh the most human beings can't do that that good so yeah uh, i mean i've i've had situations where people have hit me and i've crashed and didn't know it and i've you know 
obviously, you know, lost rear ends and lost front ends going into corners and, you know, had mechanicals that have caused me to crash. And there's all sorts of things. I mean, I've been racing since, you know, 2003, so 17 years, uh, probably crashed a hundred times. I mean, not going to lie. I mean, I probably crashed pretty close to a hundred times between mini moto and riding dirt bikes and, you know, racing full seasons for that many years, you know? So, yeah, sure. I'm guessing it's worth it though. Yeah, man. I mean, I, <laughs> sometimes I think I'm like, man, I wonder if I should be it. I'm getting kind of old. Maybe I should call it. And then like a couple months go by over winter and I get really antsy and it's like, Nope, I'm still going to do it. So. <laughs> 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 yeah no i i get it i get it um yeah that that's pretty cool so what um what's been like your gnarliest crash so i don't i've never really broken a lot of bones but i did uh i did the collarbone mm-hmm. and an elbow so i i high-sided an sv650 in 2013 um like 100 and something miles an hour and wow. uh broke my radius my ulna my humerus my scapula my collarbone it was 10 days in the hospital and 160 grand in surgery. And, uh, that was my worst, worst one. I've, you know, I've had small fractures and like sprains and stuff, but never really, this was a compound fracture through the skin, uh, a bunch of bones. It was destroyed. So, um, when I see in person, I'll show you an x-ray of it on my phone. It's yeah, it was sure. so that was yeah. my, probably my worst one. I mean, I've had some scary, really scary crashes, uh, I never got hurt, you know, real fast ones that nothing happened. And, but I've also destroyed motorcycles without hurting myself. And, but, uh, yeah. So I think the elbow, the broken elbow was probably the worst one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, so, so, so that, that one high side you said, right. The one that, that you were in the hospital for 10 days. So how, how long, obviously, you know, so it was 10 days in the hospital and then how long did it take you after that to kind of recover and whatever to the point where you felt somewhat back to normal again and started riding and whatever so the track day was on uh christmas it was a christmas track day um i went to the hospital i didn't get surgery till the first we had to wait it was so bad they had to like ship somebody special in to fix me and so i had to wait in the hospital for a couple days i had the surgery on the first Uh, i think i was in for a couple more days recovering after that and then i had a kick butt physical therapist and we did a bunch of crazy like isometrics and purposeful motions. And, uh, you know, I was back in action. I still had staples in my arm when I went and raced my first race in April. So April 3rd, I think I went and raced a local MRA club race and won some races and broke the lap record. And oh, I wow. still had, the, I still had staples in my arm. So, uh, from the stitches, but, the so it took about three months, January, February, March, three and a half months of, physical therapy and just recovering and so um, yeah it took, a, it took a minute but yeah no it makes sense but it, it's really it's fascinating actually when you think about well one you know what what surgeons can do nowadays right in terms of putting things back together right it's not yeah. it's not it's not yet like the six million dollar man and all the fancy bionics and stuff but like it's kind of getting there um <laughs> and and then just the ability of the body to heal itself you know, and, yeah. and then, like you said, you know, working with the right therapist, physical therapist who, you know, whatever, knows the things that really helps, you know, accelerate the healing as much as possible. Yeah, he was actually my 2019 and 18 uh, Moto America sponsor, the Conquest uh, muscle activation. And then he got into the CBD thing. So, uh, oh, okay. 
Brent Legrand's PJ, my really good buddy from here in Colorado, was a huge, huge part of all that. And he got me back on track when I hurt myself and he helped massively finance a bunch of the racing. And so, I mean, shout out to him for sure. He was really, really helpful, man. So, yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, cool. If you want to put a link in the show notes to his uh, his stuff. Yeah, he's actually got a new company. We sold the, he sold Conquest and uh, he's got a different company. It's not quite ready to like start promoting okay. or else mm-hmm. i'd be running that on my bike this year but it's kind of in the works it's new whole new program so uh yeah if i can find something man i'll let you know but i don't think he's got anything sure. really wrong right now, okay so. yeah that, that's fine that's fine but so this is potential 2021 sponsor yeah he's he's really interested in the aprilia deal um so we've been talking with aprilia and imperials like one of the bigger uh aprilia dealerships in town and so we're you know with with all this crap going on now we're sort of like in a hiatus but uh yeah the bikes are supposed to be here this year um you know maybe october november somewhere in that time so hopefully we can get it for next year and if we do uh i'll definitely be back out on a new bike so okay that that would be awesome because that that'll really you know continue to help like mix things up like the more manufacturers the better um yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, I know Ducati's not new to Moto America, but like, just what Kyle Wyman is doing in the in the Superbike series has been really cool. You know, with the with the V4R. Yeah. So it's just cool to see. It just mixes it up. It's like not the same old stuff all the time. You know. And then Barnes on his twin Ducati was doing really good too. So that was yeah. cool. So yep. it's cool yep, to see yep. Ducati. I'm not a huge Ducati fan, but uh, it's cool to see him up there battling and you know out there on the field. So it's definitely sweet. Yeah. So, so 2021, we might be seeing an Aprilia on the track with uh, hot pink and neon green on it. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> the, the guys are picky, kind of. I can have my, I can like do a couple accents and like my helmet and stuff like that, but the bike has okay. to be a certain okay. way. So I might I'm actually, sure. might actually show up with a fa- actual factory looking motorcycle. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, hey, you know, whatever. T- things change, right? Nothing wrong with that. I mean, so I don't know if you follow like the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. Uh, I, I do. I, I like it. I mean, I don't, I'm not totally on top of it all the time, but I, I do know. Yeah, it was this past year, right? They had the accident and they shut down motorcycle racing. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but the guy that ended up winning it was on an Aprilia that we designed uh, and wrapped, and so, oh. um, and that was kind of helped. It was factory backed, and so we, uh, I'll probably end up looking pretty similar to that MotoGP kind of green and neon red and black look, mm-hmm. I guess. So. We'll see. We'll see if they change it up. You know, we'll try and stick to the factory scheme. So, yeah, no, I, I got it. I mean, it, it's you know, it's one of those things, right? That and, and that's it's an interesting thing about you know, the 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 privateer versus the getting more help kind of thing, right? It's like the, the more someone else is kicking into the pot, the more they want to control how things are, which <laughs> makes sense, right? I, I would do the same thing, you know. It's yeah. like, <laughs> I always said if they paid me, I'd ride a purple. Viagra bike. I don't care. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter if they want to help pay for it. Then I'll run anything, man. It can be corn green. It doesn't matter to me. So yeah, uh, I hear you. Well, I don't know if they still do, but Viagra was sponsoring a NASCAR, right? Like in the yeah, the the, the yeah the Cup Series. So I don't yeah. know if they still do it. I've never seen it on a motorcycle, but what the what the hell? <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm not scared. I'll run anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, so just back to the the. The accident and the, and the recovery that you were talking about during the, the three, four months, right, that you were getting yourself back together. Did you ever have any thoughts like, you know, do I really want to be continue doing this or like any, 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 any doubts about whether you should continue racing or was it just like you were just like hell bent to get back on the bike? 
No, I had to get back on. I was, yeah. uh, I had brand new bikes for that season that I was racing and contingency plans with the Honda that I was riding. And I had built a, that SV that I crashed and I really wanted to do well in the championship and on a lightweight because I'd never raced one. And so I was motivated. I mean, it, I, I had a couple of buddies that were racing and, you know, it's hard when all your friends are going to the track and you're sure. just sitting you know, so I was, I was pretty hell bent on getting back out there. And, and so was my physical therapist and my surgeon. Everybody was like, you need to go back out and race. This is what we want you to do. So I was like, okay. So I made it happen. I, I don't blame you. I mean, I, I, I just like the way I am personally, and I've never experienced any, you know, an accident or anything like that, but I could see it'd be like, no man, like to make that worthwhile, I got to get back on the bike. Like just me personally, like just the way I am. Yeah, I ended up winning the championship that year. Uh, Sweet. So okay. it, was, it was cool. I was on a brand new Honda CBR 500, and they were paying really good contingency money. They were paying 700 or 750 bucks per race, and there's two races per weekend. So, I mean, it's not a ton of money, but you could go out there and make your tire money and your gas money and everything back if you could win the races. And uh, we did. We won that year. So it was sweet. Yeah, nice. Cool. So, so speaking of uh, the racing and whatnot, so you said you you've been racing for what seventeen years now? Yeah, I, I two thousand two I did a couple races, and then two thousand three was my first full season. Okay, cool. So you're a little a little bit seasoned as a racer. Um, I know I, I saw I think it was Instagram you had posted a photo today of like a box of trophies, box of your trophies that you were sending back to kind of be recycled. So I'm, I'm guessing you've had a few wins over the years. Yeah, I have a office room that was just getting overloaded, and a couple of other buddies. We, were, I used to run the Rocky Mountain Mini Moto Club here in Colorado, and we would recycle the old MRA trophies, the Motorcycle Road Racing Association trophies for the Mini Moto. And this year, with everybody, there's you know all the financial stuff that people are going through, and the clubs missing rounds, and everything's shut down. So I just offered uh, to donate them all to the club so they could just recycle them, so they don't have to spend the money for a couple rounds on trophies. So. Yeah, that's cool. It looked like it looked like quite a few in the box there. Oh God, it was a ton. It was, I mean, I mean, you figure maybe twenty, twenty or twenty-five per year for ten. I mean, there's a couple hundred of them there. So yeah, uh, nice. there was definitely a bunch. So I just I told them one condition: you got to make me a sponsor for the class or one of the classes or something. So oh, cool. That's nice. Yeah. Now, do you have? Did you like? you know, sign the bottom of them or anything like that. So like you're, you're, <laughs> well, some of the cups we drank beer out of, so they might need to be washed, but <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yep. that was kind of our thing. We'd get the production cup bikes, uh, like the R threes and the Ninja two fifties and all that. And we'd, they'd give us cups and we would fill them up with beer at the end of the weekend and drink out of them. It was fun. So yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. Cool tradition. Yeah. Right. So, so what got you into racing? Like how'd that whole thing come about? Oh man, that's a good story actually. So I've, I've always had bikes. Uh, I mean, I had a 50 when I was four or five years old and then I think I got like 11 or something. I got a YSR 50, which is a street legal mini crotch rocket that Yamaha made back in like the eighties. And, uh, I actually, one of the local shops completely race built it and put bodywork on it. And I was supposed to do this like Texas mini GP thing and we were going to go race. And then the guy ended up getting fired. And so we, me and my neighbor both had YSRs and we went and picked them back up from the shop and put all the street bodywork and stuff back on them and uh, rode them around. Then I got an FCR when I was 15 
uh, FCR 400. And then in 99, uh, the R6 came out, like the newer Yamaha mm-hmm. R6. And I was in love with it. Like I loved the red, white, and black. And I just was like, that was the color of my FCR. And so I bought an R6 and being the young punk I was, I got in a high speed police chase and, uh, they took my motorcycle from me because it was obviously used in like an evading or whatever. And so okay. it's that pound for like a year and uh, I still owe it. I was still making payments on it because I financed it. And I ended up finding out who the district attorney was, uh, the county that it got taken from. And I started talking to him about getting it back. And uh, he said he would give it back to me if I never registered it and if I raced it. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, there's a club. They used to do this like highway patrol, like would gather up all the street guys and tell them about the MRA club so that they would quit screwing off on the streets. And so they sort of had like a tie to the club. And so the DA was like, all right, we'll give you your bike back. If you never register it again and you race it in the MRA. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh. okay, cool, man. And so I got it back and uh, actually one of the mechanics I still work with today at Imperial Bart uh, helped me set it up as a race bike. And it took a couple of years for me to get it all sorted. And in, like I said, 2002, I think I finally started racing a little bit and then Oh three, I raced it for a couple seasons and so that's how i got it started man it was sort of a shady situation but no but uh, that's that's a cool story and I, I mean it's it's just it's good it just makes sense right it's like just direct people the right way you know it's like yeah i don't know that that yeah if, if so he had I cut me that deal i would have done it too yeah i absolutely did and I, it was funny because when they took the bike i went and bought an r1 and so i still rode on the street i was like but after a couple of years of racing, I just kind of got sick of riding on the street, man. And so I still have a street bike that I'll take out every once in a while and cruise around and, you know, maybe go see a buddy up in Boulder or something. But like, I don't, uh, you know, I don't really ride on the street, man. I try and stick to the track and get all my, you know, all my adrenaline out there. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, I've, you know, a, a lot of racers have said that, you know, it, it's, I guess, either combination of, I guess, once they start racing, you know, just the adre- adrenaline rush and the whole thing, it, it all gets satisfied on the track and you're not going to do it on the street anymore. Or they realize, you know, how much more dangerous it is riding on the street. <laughs> so Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, yeah. I've had more close calls on the street than I have racing. It's just such a controlled environment and you're kind of in charge of your own destiny at the track. It, anything can happen on the street. So, uh, you know, conditions and gravel and other cars. And I mean, I enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. I do love to cruise around, but sure, it's really tame compared to what we do on the track. So I get out there and I feel like I'm just going to get in trouble because I, like, I feel like just crawling along at 40 <laughs> miles an hour. Like, Oh my right. God. So boring. Like, well, I don't know. It's, it's kind of is what it is, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's pretty funny. Um, so I know uh, one of the questions I have for you, and I I read a little bit on the Moto America website, but I'll I'll let you answer it. Um, so the number 213, so you've been using that for quite a while, right? Yep. Ever since the beginning. Yep. Okay. So what, what's the origin of that? It's my birthday. So February 13th is my birthday. And, uh, I, I just, uh, I really wanted 13. 13 was always my lucky number, but one of my buddies, Chris in the club had it and, uh, so I just was like, I'll be the second one. And plus it's my birthday. So two thirteen is, uh, what we went with. Okay. We talked about that too, is that if you're looking at the podium, you see second, first and third. So, right. uh, it kind of fits that theme too. So, yeah. And also mentioned in the article, like one of the thoughts you had too, is when you win the championship, right. You can still kind of run two thirteen. You just make the two and the three really small. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the following year. 
Yep, exactly. So. Just little mini ones, and you can just blow up the one in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I know. Um, who was it? Bobby Fong th- this past season, right in uh, Super Sport? You know, he won the championship, and he runs number fifty. But then, I don't know. I guess the, at, at Barber or whatever, the the mechanics had put like a number one inside the zero of the fifty. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Right on. Yeah. So, uh, so you you go with the nickname Hammer, right? At least some of the time. Yep. Yeah, yep. Wait, so where, where does that come from? It sounds like something else that's got an interesting story behind it. Eh, not really. So, like, uh, my last name is Madama. It's Italian, but everyone would pronounce it Madama or Madama. And so they started kind of joking around, and it was like Mad Hammer. Mad, like... Yeah. And so Mad Hammer was my race team before Syndicate. We I had Mad Hammer Racing. It was, like, the first couple years I was there. And so everyone just started calling me the Hammer, Hammer, whatever, and it stuck. I mean, it's it's like any nickname. I didn't come up with it and i don't necessarily like it but after 15 years or 16 years of hearing it, it just, <laughs> kind of sticks it, it, man yeah so uh like i said it, it is what it is just roll with it <laughs> yeah i know and it like you know like i was saying to it uh sort of kind of gives me a little you know with the pink bike and the nickname and this and that it gets me a little bit of attention so i don't mind yeah. for the sponsors so yeah sure sure and which is a really good point too right is it's like um and, and I, I guess you have to strike a balance. I mean, I've never been in anything where I had like sponsors or whatever per se, but y- you know, right. You, you need, you need to have some kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a persona, a personality, right? Something that clicks for you, that works for you individually, but that also works for the sponsors and whatever. Right. And that's what gets the fans involved and interacting. And yep. so that's a, that's gotta be an interesting thing to, to try to put that kind of thing together. So like, what what what's the approach? Like, let's say right because one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast, I'm actually trying to do lots of things with this podcast. But but one of the things is you know encourage people who might be interested in racing, right, get started or something like that. So let's say for someone who who wanted to get started, right, and they're like, okay, good. So I need some I need I need some financial help, right? I need some kind of sponsors. I need you know some way to help defray costs or maybe eventually you know make a little you know, money on the side or whatever, what, what's worked for you? Like what's the successful actions? Like how have you approached or what, like what's worked for you in terms of bringing sponsors on board and whatnot? I mean, you can always get part discounts and stuff like that. It took me a long time. I mean, I never got free stuff until I started racing in the pros. Uh, even as a club racer, I, you know, I would get discounts on parts and this and that. And it, when I started actually winning, championships and breaking lap records and things like that where you know my opinion would make a difference in parts and stuff like that i would get free stuff you know for my from certain companies that were specializing in certain bikes or whatever uh to help promote their bikes or new bikes that had just come out that i had that nobody had yet that we could like like the r3 when it first came out we did a bunch of development on that bike and um you know it's it took time i mean you can I've had, you know, buddies that find local beer companies that'll kick a money or, you know, maybe their parents company or somebody they know that has the ability to write stuff off. But it took me a long time before I was like getting free, all sorts of free stuff and parts mm-hmm. and people were offering me things. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you have to have, like you said, a sort of a persona and like sort of a following and, you know, decent results. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be kicking everybody's butt, mm-hmm. but if you're, uh, if you're doing good and you're in like the, you know, in the spotlight and you're on TV, it helps a lot, you know? So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, that's a kind of a good question. I, 
like I said, it took me a long time before people were asking to help finance seasons. And I was, you know, able to get parts for my bike for free and suits for free for free and gloves for free and all that kind of stuff, you know, but I've been with working with the same companies for a long, long time, Scorpion for five or six years and my suit companies for a couple of years, you know, six years on one and a couple of years on the other. And, uh, you know, Vortex I've been working with for a long time. And, you know, you know, the guys at Moto D been helping me since, you know, 2018 and, you know, so, uh, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, like I said, it's, uh, I guess time and just, you know, having a good, especially with the social media, having a good social media, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm kind of non PC. I don't really filter anything. I'm kind of like the worst person when it comes to like <laughs> people. Want to <laughs> but, 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 uh, but, but the thing there, out. you know, I mean, and again, like I said, it's not like I'm some kind of expert at marketing or anything like that, but it, it does seem to me like being genuine is, is valuable or, or can be, you know what I mean? So, it's like if, if if you're just being yourself and showing your personality, I mean, you you know, you're going to attract sponsors that align with that. And the ones that don't, it's not going to work anyway, probably. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like if, if you try to, you know, fake it and be something you're not, that that's not going to last. And, and it sounds like, you know, over the years, although you know maybe it's taken time and whatever to figure things out, you know, like you said, if you maintain those relationships and you don't burn bridges then you know you can i guess you know you've gotten yourself into a pretty good situation that way yep absolutely and like i said i'm good buddies with most of the people that throughout the years that run these companies and um so you know it helps that we've hung out at the track and you know they know who i am and it's like you said it's unfiltered and it's raw and a lot of the fans like that because i don't you know i don't you know prissy up for the camera and i don't right a sugar sugar coated or yeah, exactly. So, uh, I don't know, man. You know, it's racing, dude. It's not like we're. It's not, <laughs> it's not, not ballet, right? Well, it's yeah, not like... Man, like, if I get pissed, I'm going to cuss. I might get mad. I might, you know, cause a fit, uh, yeah. you know. So, it's just the way it is, man. I mean, it's a pretty risky, adrenaline pumping sport. And if you don't expect people to get heated in the moment, then you're, you know, you probably shouldn't be watching it then. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. And it, it just, I don't know, it just makes it interesting. You know, it makes it colorful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's why we do it. It's a good time, man. I mean, you get anxiety going to all these, you know, especially pro races and get nervous and how good you're going to do. And then as soon as the race is over, you just want to literally go back out and do it again. Like there's, you know, it's crazy how that works. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. So you've been racing. So you've done, I guess, starting with 2017, like the entire Moto America calendar every year no, in 16 i only raced at coda uh okay. i had a buddy that just gave me an r1 a new 15 r1 and we kind of like monkeyed it together and was able to qualify and i made the race and so i raced both the races at coda which was kind of nice. like a, you know, I was like i always wanted to race in an ama superbike and and you know having moto gp be there and we went to all the gp after parties and really lived up the weekend it was really fun i mean we had a really really good time and i did decent i mean i think there was you know, like 13th or 12th or something in like 19th or something, which isn't too bad. I think I qualified in last place, but uh, cool. uh, I made it. So that was really cool. And the bike was pretty stock. I didn't have any suspension work or anything done to it. It was just stock pretty much. And uh, so I was like, ah, you know, I finally raced pro. That was cool. And then in 17, um, I raced that bike a little bit in the club and I, you know, raced an R3 and some other stuff in the club and I didn't do Moto America at all. And then in 18, um, I got the call about doing the Altus twins thing and, 
I was like, well, here's my opportunity to race pro again. And it's kind of a, not a super bike class. So it's not as, uh, I guess as scary and yeah, the bikes aren't quite as fast, a little bit more my style. I like slower corner speed bikes anyways. So, uh, we ended up, you know, signing up for the whole season and, you know, went out there and three races in, I won at road America. So, uh, and then battled for the championship all the way to the last race. So it was really, really fun. So, uh, obviously I had to try and up myself and come back and I wanted to build my own bike. I had, there's certain things about the bike that I wasn't super happy with. I'm, you know, on the, cause it wasn't my bike. So I didn't really have a whole lot of say in what was going on. So, um, right. I wanted to try and build my own. And so, uh, me and my, my buddy Ryan at carbon Smith, Ryan Smith, uh, uh, from Carbon Smith, who does a bunch of 3D printing for me and the Westby team and stuff, uh, built a pretty badass bike. I mean, it's the same one I'm racing this year again, and it's got, we spared no expense and had the best builders in the country build it and some of the best suspension and, you know, did custom body work and did, you know, like I said, the graphics and the powder coating and all the coolest parts and had everybody kind of chip in and make it really nice. So, um, you know, and we did okay. I think I could have done better, uh, but I, I didn't have a team really with me and I was driving myself. And so I you lose time on the track when you're worried about crashing. And so it made a little difference. I mean, we always were up in the front and we had some good times and we, you know, led some races and battled for podiums and stuff. But, uh, I don't know. I was kind of scared to crash the bike cause I didn't have spares and I didn't, I had a lot of my own money involved in it and all that stuff will, chip away at your fastest lap time if that makes any sense you know so. no that that totally makes sense i mean it it's it is interesting because you know i've commented or noted like you you watch like moto gp or something and you, you know you, you watch someone like marquez or whoever and you know it's not like obviously right they they take this seriously right this is this is this is their job this is their passion they do the best they can but it's like you know they they, they push it a little too hard they overcook it they wreck the bike, you know, and whatever. Then they go back to the the pits, and the, the boys work on the bike, you know, and then they yeah. go whatever, you know, put ice on on their bruise or whatever, you know, get some get a massage <laughs> and you know get all set up again. So I I could totally understand that. Like, and, and it's funny, like even I've had the thought, you know, because I want to start doing track days and stuff, and it's like, all right, well, you know, I've got this, you know, my my baby now is this 2018 Kawasaki Z900 RS, and it's like, well, you know, I could take that on the track, but it's like I don't know if I. Go Goof something. I don't want to dump it or whatever. You know, so it's like go yeah. buy it or go get like an older SV race bike or yeah. something that's already yeah. something set up. Spend three or four grand on something instead of crashing your nice baby. You know that uh, a lot of people have said that. So that that makes a lot of sense to me. But all right, so I, I get it. It's like, and that's that's not even would be me pushing myself on the track. That's just me going on the track and being new at it. You know, potentially dumping it or something. So uh, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. get it. You know, I could get it. You got whatever. You know, like like um. So the bike you have now that you're going to race this season, you know, knock, knock on wood, eventually there's going to be racing this season. Um, like how much, how much does it cost to put that bike together? If that's, uh, if that's an okay question to ask. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter to me, man. Uh, I bought a salvage bike for two grand. Um, and then I had to put, I bought a salvage FC07 and then I bought a race bike that was already sort of built that had some of the stuff I really needed that I couldn't source. Like, some of the parts for that bike were really hard to get because there was only one person making them. And so, uh, if I couldn't get it from him, I couldn't get anything, you know, and basically I had been helping develop to a sort of extent and, uh, riding 
a bike that had all of that, those, that person's parts on it, you know? And so in order to build a similar bike with like the same setup, I had to kind of start from scratch. And so I found somebody that was selling a bike that had some of the stuff I needed that I couldn't get. And I think I paid 10 grand for the bike. And then we spent, we bought, uh, built a completely spare engine. that was a full super bike and those are not cheap. I mean, we're talking another five or six grand, seven grand in an engine build. And then, you know, custom paint and suspension work. And we did full data acquisition systems and custom Ram airbox. I mean, I would say we probably had upwards of 20 grand in it, maybe 25 grand or so, Mm -hmm. Uh, which doesn't sound that bad on a pro level, you know, um, built our sixes at a club level that cost 20 grand. So, uh, you know, it was, it was cool because pretty much every part on that bike is custom made or some, you know, designed specifically for racing. And we just, you know, design stuff. And, um, I mean, we built a really, really nice bike. I mean, the motors that, that EDR built me were really good. And, uh, um, you know, I had, like I said, help from bodywork companies, carbon and other, you know, other companies that were helping me. And so we, I mean, we built a really good looking bike and a really fast competitive bike. I just suck. So I need to step up my game. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but the reason I ask is it's like that. Yeah. That's a fair you know, chunk of change to invest and not, not to mention the blood, sweat and tears of putting the thing together and everything. And so anyway, yeah. I, I just, I could, I could understand like walking that fine line of, you know, as a racer, you want to do the best you can do, but particularly like right last season was, was pretty much you as a one man show. It's like, you know, if you throw the bike down the track, you know, maybe you don't race again that weekend. So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting, like balancing act to play. Yeah. And like I said, we went faster. I mean, the year that I was battling for the championship, we obviously we had lap times at all these tracks that we'd set. And this year, everybody went faster. I mean, I, some of the tracks I was three and a half, four seconds faster. Some were similar. Other people were faster, but I mean, almost every single track I went to this year, I improved from last year. So, uh, you know, it's, everyone's like, well, you rode like a bitch. And I'm like, no, man, I was like, I was going faster. Everybody else was going faster too. I was like, yeah, man. And like I said, I was by myself. So it was, you know, a little bit intimidating to go out there and throw it down the racetrack and then have to drive myself to some shop halfway across the country and figure out somewhere I can take it apart and fix it and check things and rebuild it. And so I, you know, I rode to the point where I was almost at the limit, but not crashing, you know, and yeah. which isn't, I mean, I'm going to admit, it's just not fast enough to win races, man. So, uh, this year, uh, you know, since I've already kind of completed the season and I think I have a, some help that's going to be coming with me, I may have a little bit more in it, you know? So, uh, I've collected some spares, and so this year I might be able to throw a couple of them down the racetrack. And uh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> time, time, time will tell us. They say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, in terms of like your, your racecraft, right? You know, building skill as a racer. Are you kind of self-taught? You know, as a combination of club racing and whatever. Have you taken any, you know? professional instruction, you know, schools or whatever, what's, what's worked out for you? I mean, I was always pretty fascist from riding a lot when I was young. Uh, I was always comfortable on a bike. I knew how they worked. Um, when I started racing big bike, you know, when I started racing MRA on a 600, uh, I was decently fast, but I was pretty crazy. Like I was more balls to the wall. Uh, didn't really have very much corner speed. I would just kind of point and shoot it. You know, I'd make, take a lot of risks crash a lot and 
I mean, I crashed like 15 times one year uh, going for a championship on an R6 and I still won the championship, but I crashed all the time in practice and different races and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I ended up building these mini moto bikes uh, back in like 2006 and the mini motos taught me a crap load. I mean, how to maintain momentum, how to carry corner speed, what the bike feels like at full lean. And since the bikes only cost a couple grand to build and they're only 10 horsepower, it's not like a huge risk to crash them. And so learning that front end feel and the, the, you know, being on the side of your tire and getting your knee in the ground and like really getting a feel for carrying a lot of momentum and quarter speed. And, and then I, instead of going back to racing a 600 i went and raced a ninja 250 in 2009 and then in 2010 ninja 250 and then in 2015 i got a uh r3 and raced the r3 you know in 2012 we raced a cbr 500 and the sv and so i was the slower bikes taught me how to ride a lot better i mean it taught me how to be smooth and you know, set up of the bikes and getting comfortable on the side of your tire and just, you know, on the, with a bike with 40 horsepower compared to 130 or 40 horsepower, you have to carry a crap load of corner speed and you have to learn to brake less and carry right. speed. And so, I mean, I never did any classes. I've never done anything with anybody. I pretty much was self-taught, but riding the minis, you know, competitively, we, uh, um, we had a pretty deep club. I mean, we had a HRC test rider, uh, that had a little NSF 100 and I had an NSF 100 and a KX 65 and we battled. I mean, we, there was, it was elbow to elbow, like every race and lots of laps and lots of races and just learning how to like be, you know, racecraft and carrying momentum. And on those things, if you make one little mistake, you lose massive time, you know? Yep. So, yep. uh, it taught me a lot. I mean, that was, and I had the most fun I've ever had racing little bikes. Like when there's seven or eight of your buddies and they're, you're all drafting down the straightaway and it's, you know, anyone can win at the last lap and it's a crap load of fun. I mean, it's, you're laughing in your helmet cause you're only doing 90 miles an hour down the straightaway and like right. running into each other. And I don't know if you've seen on our Facebook or whatever, there's a couple videos of me and some of my buddies like right at the line, like hitting each other's kill switches and trying to push <laughs> each, other and each other. And like the races are all, you know, we're breaking lap records every single lap and like, right. you know, people are crashing and, but the bikes only cost like three grand. So it doesn't matter. I mean, you can yard sale and Ninja yeah. 250 and completely rebuild it, you know? So yeah, it was yeah. fun, man. I mean, that's, I'd say the little bikes are what taught me, you know, then I, like I said, I went and raced an R1 had never, ever raced a thousand before. My first ever race on a 1000 was at, at Moto America. So, wow. um, yeah, it was kind of funny. And so I, I had a buddy that came and he didn't make it. He missed qualifying by like a second and I barely, barely made it. Right. And so it was, I was impressed. I mean, just the fact that I was able to even do it since I'd never really raced, raced a thousand CC before, but, uh, yeah. And that, that, that was a Cody, you said, right? Yeah. That's sort of yeah. Good, yeah. That's gotta be a cool truck to race. I, I was there last year to see the race. Um, but you know, I've never been out on the track or anything, but it looks like a fun one. Yeah, it was a workout. It's huge. It's a lot of fun, you know, painted beautiful. And it was back then it was really, really smooth. And uh, it was fun, man. That was a great, great weekend. Yeah, I can imagine, especially with the after party stuff and whatever and the MotoGP crowd in town or whatever. That's got to be yeah. the best. Yeah, it was fun, man. We had a big motorhome that we had for the, the races. And so we were at the track, staying at the track. And uh, I knew the lady that's like their travel. Um, 
in charge of like getting everybody to hotels and all that the whole MotoGP paddock and so she was able to like sneak us into the, the after parties and all the clubs and all the stuff that the, all the riders were at we were hanging out with rossi and lorenzo and all the guys it was cool so ah cool 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 so you were buying rossi shots yeah <laughs> my old lady she like he liked my lady more than me man. uh he was like in love with her he she, she sat next to him at the bar for like half the night and oh, really? i was like go ahead that's valentino rossi you can do whatever you want and so me and my buddies were like, you know, just hanging out and uh i bought some shots for sam Lowe's and uh jorge lorenzo they're like four feet tall it's so funny i'm like six foot one so these, i walk up to the bar and there's these two tiny little guys and i'm like oh look it's jorge and sam i'm like you guys want some shots and like, <laughs> so it was cool man it was a good time I've, i did that for you know i went to 2006 laguna and and indy when they did indy MotoGP. i tried to do as much of the yeah. as i can and we've always managed to sneak ourselves into the after parties so it's kind of the same people that we'd hung out with years and years in a row so it was fun so they get to know you so that's pretty, like whatever like people recognize you it's hey come on in come on in yeah yeah well now i've raced pro so it's like oh I yeah, that yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's cool that's cool does uh does your wife ride at all no not at all no. not a bit she won't even yeah. go on the back of it so Okay. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's a, you know, you like it or you don't like it. No, no, no big sweat either way. Yeah. She's not into it. She doesn't mind me racing. She, you know, but after years and years, she doesn't even, you know, the pro stuff's different, but like club racing, she doesn't need to come watch. Like it's kind of out of the way and a lot of work for her to like take off and just to come watch race at a club level, you know? So uh, she'll show up to a handful of the Moto America rounds when she can, but. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I know you had, I think it was for Facebook or whatever, like earlier in the year you had posted, you were still trying to sort out sponsors and stuff for, for 2020, but it, it sounds like that all got worked out. Kind of, uh, I mean, as far as like the bike, it's all good. Um, I had to come out of pocket to do, refresh a motor and, um, apex assassins track days is helping me a little bit. We got entry fees and licensing and some of that all taken care of. And, um, I'm going to kind of do a per round sort of thing. I have a couple guys that are going to help me out with tire money for maybe a couple rounds and then it'll change. So I, I might be promoting different people that are helping me for certain weekends for certain things. But uh, um, I kind of hustled this winter and stacked a little bit of money too. So that if uh, you know I need to, I can just come out of pocket. But uh, I mean, it's not all, I'm not like full ride, every, you know, getting a big check or anything like that. I've got some help here and there, but I still got to get to the track and I still got to take care of my bike and fix it if I crash it and, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, now I know, I know this year, at least some of the manufacturers had some pretty good contingency programs. Like I know Kawasaki sounded like was pretty good. I don't, what about Yamaha? Is it, do they? Nah, not in the decent class. No. It's not that. Plus, my bike's a 15, so it's not even eligible. Okay, it's got to be newer stuff, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't afford to go buy a brand new bike. It has to be like two years new or something. So No, no it makes sense. They want to promote the, the current stuff that they got. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And it's, not um, like, it's not enough money for me to risk going and buying a brand new motorcycle. It's not really that much money. So uh, yeah. we're in it for the glory, not the, not the money. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, so it sounds like you're having a ton of fun. So that you know that's priceless really right if you oh absolutely if I mean, you I, love what, if you love what you're doing and, and you've kind of got it tied in not kind of you have it tied in with what you do professionally and whatever and you can go race and have fun what the hell more power to you oh yeah we had a 
ton of fun last year. I mean, hanging out with all the junior cup dads and, you know, the twins cup guys are pretty rowdy and uh, a handful of the superbike dudes are you know, good buddies of mine. And so we, you know, it's cool, man. We're a good family and we all hang out in the pits and, you know, have beers and barbecue and, you know, bench race and talk shit to each other. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, uh, what's the? I mean, obviously, you know, this whole whatever coronavirus thing has got things messed up in racing and whatever. But I know I saw it looked like is there a Moto America race scheduled for end of May? Yeah, I know I saw something. May, yeah, Road America. Um, okay, I'm not 100 on if it's happening not yet or not. We're kind of, I know that they're talking to the city officials and this and that. I can't confirm anything, but, uh, yeah. as of now I'm planning on hitting the road, man. So, um, I'm ready to rock and roll. I am getting antsy. There's a club race in town on the 16th here in Colorado. I don't know if you saw my Facebook, but I'm building a kind of a, just a fun bike, another SV, uh, okay. twin bike. And, uh, I'm going to keep it in town because sometimes I leave my truck and trailer out of town when we're on the road. So I want to have something here that I can, go screw around in the club and do some track days and um uh, the legion the speed guys are doing track days and i'm an instructor i'm going to do some teaching for some new riders and stuff like that so uh i just needed a bike to keep in town and mess around on so yeah okay that's cool so so you know assuming that all whatever shakes out and because i know that race i think they said it's not clear yet if there'll be spectators yet obviously they'll do it if they can um, you know, so obviously things are a little wonky this year, but so what, what's your, what's your plans like rest of 2020 and then, you know, have you made plans for 2021 yet in terms of your racing? I mean, yeah, like we talked about on the Aprilia thing, if that yeah. all goes okay. through, yep. right. um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can sort that out. That'd be really, really fun. I kind of like developing new bikes. So it's some, something that just has come out. Nobody really has any you know parts for it's supposed to be pretty powerful so the aprilia will be sweet 21 um i don't think if that doesn't work out i'm not really sure if i'll race or not on in moto america um you know it's like i said it's financially pretty hard on me and the travel's pretty brutal and uh you know if we do the aprilia thing i'll have a lot of help so it'll be a lot more fun so um as far as this year, man, I, you know, like I said, I worked real hard over winter and i got my finances sorted to plan on doing the whole season um you know, obviously, unless I destroy a motorcycle or something, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going for it, man. It's, I, as far as the CV thing, I work out of my house and we live up in the mountains. And so, you know, if, if I didn't notice that the bar wasn't open and that social media blows it all out of whack, I wouldn't even know this was going on. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of a nice way to live. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, so I guess like you do all your graphic design stuff out of the house, basically. Right. Cause you can yeah, just, yeah. whatever, you just work remotely, mail stuff, email stuff back and forth or whatever. Yeah. I have a digital printer uh, shop that sends me anything I need digitally printed. I do all the die cut graphics and hand laying graphics at my house in my shop and, yeah. you know, a big graphic design computer for setting things up and Photoshop and things and doing logos and all that stuff that I do. And uh, yeah, so I pretty much just hang out at the house even when we're not on house arrest so <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah I hear. you know but it, it's weird i i don't know if if you've noticed this right it's I've, I've been fortunate i do computer programming for a living and um you know i've i've been working like this whole time you know remotely uh which i was set up to do anyway right like you know once in a while like sometimes one day a week or whatever i'd work from home but you know it got to this point right so I, I work in new york city normally and it's the whole thing even even before they were starting with the uh the house arrest stuff or the you know the what do they call it 
shelter in place. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the company that I work for, they basically, I guess they knew it was coming. And so it's like, okay, let's kind of get used to this thing. So they were alternating people like alternating weeks. So every other week you would work from home and they were trying to test out, it's a big company. So they want to make sure that they had, you know, all the infrastructure and the bandwidth to support people, like everyone working from home. So it was kind of good. So when the word came down, you know, New York state, it's like, okay, everybody who's non-essential works from home. It was like, we pretty much were anyway. But the, the, yeah. point I'm get, the point I'm getting to is like in the past, you know, I've been working independently also like for, for many, many years. And there were years where I just worked from my home office. But somehow that was different, like because it was like by choice. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. I, I just worked from home because that's what I wanted to do. And now it's not really any different. I'm working from home, but it's like I quote unquote have to work from home. And somehow yeah. it just messes with you mentally. It's really oh, weird. Yeah, sure. Oh, I know, yeah. man. That's just, I mean, I, like I said, I live in a really nice part of Colorado. And so there's people out everywhere. It's like I've, you know, I've lived up here for, you know, my whole life and I've never seen so many people out and about. I know people are not working, so they have time, but like, Jesus, man, like it's like you know, you're supposed to be staying at home and trying to like flatten this supposed curve of whatever. And it's like there's more people out now than there was before this all went down, man. It's crazy. It, it's actually it's funny because sometimes my girlfriend and I, we always share the same office in the house and, you know, we'll be working or whatever. And, you know, obviously, you know, schools are closed and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's been kind of rough, right? Because there's, you know, graduations coming up and kids don't get to attend their graduation. Like, I get it. Like, that's, you know, kind of sucks, right? To have to put up with that. But, but so, like, we're sitting here, here in the office, you know, we're just not a major street, but you know, it's in the neighborhood, it's a fairly active street. And there'll be like this parade of 50 cars that goes by, like the honking horns with signs and like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know congr- congratulating so-and-so or, hey, you know, graduates. It's like, why don't you guys go do something? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, find a job or something. Like, don't they, don't they need volunteers someplace? I'm trying yeah, to get some work done, you know. We really need to just get past this. This is getting ridiculous, man. Personally, it's just killing me. I need to go out and eat, and we got things to yeah. do, man. It's uh, no, crazy. For sh- yeah, for sure. It's funny. It's like it's like it's gotten to the point where, like, you know, in the, in the afternoon, Gene and I will go out and get a Starbucks. Like that. That's a big adventure. It's like, woo, you know, we're, we're we're leaving the house getting Starbucks. Woohoo, you know. Yeah, it's so, funny. Our yeah. my local pub uh, down the street's doing to go food, and they're actually yeah. the our governor allowing to go cocktails. And so we'll get these like 32 ounce bloody Mary's to go and go sit on the patio of our house and eat breakfast burritos. And it's like, man, you know, I mean, it's cool that we can do that, but it's like, come on, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So some parks to it. I mean, it'll, it'll all ease. I mean, it seems to be already. And, uh, you know, most people, you know, seem to be doing what was needed for this whole thing and yeah, whatever that does, whatever that could be a whole podcast episode of what's going yeah. on with this <laughs> stuff, you know, cause yeah, I try, I try to stay away from like the, um, the conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you hear certain things you're like, wow, that kind of just makes sense, you know, but yeah, so, yeah we'll you know, I like, I like to dig, I like to know all the angles, but I'm not like stuck on any certain thing. I mean, I just kind of like to know what could possibly be going on and yeah. it's, you know, I mean, whatever, man. There's nothing we can do about it. We're just ants on this small rock. So yep, yep, and for the ride. But no, but things things are definitely picking up. I mean, it's been kind of cool just to see like um, the because people are getting creative with things. You know, like MotoGP, they're doing their virtual races and stuff. You know, with some of the the MotoGP <laughs> races, which is kind of cool. You know, it's it ain't the same as seeing real bikes on real tracks. But you know, it's yeah. like okay, good people are being clever and imaginative, and so that that's that's kind of yeah. the the upside of it. You know. It's been kind of nice for me because I've been, you know, forced to get a lot of work done. I've rebuilt a couple fifties and got those all maintained and got my Moto America bike perfect. And 
building this SV and I got a couple other bikes I'm just putting together and, you know, so I've been getting stuff done at least. Uh, so yeah, no, good. Yeah. I mean, we've been catching up on stuff around the house, so it's kind of fixing this and doing yard work and stuff. So, you know, yeah, totally. when it's all over, we'll be ready to go. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. You're, yeah. You're ready. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. As soon, as soon as motor America like announces what the, the actual schedule is going to be, I'll start. Yeah. Cause I, I had planned like five or six races I wanted to go to, uh, but I'm just waiting now. Like everything's up in the air. So I'm like, okay, once they say, boom, this is what we're going to do. Then I'll figure out, you know, I want to hit at least three or four, I think yes. if, if, if possible. So that'll, that'll be really cool. So we'll get it. We'll get a chance to meet up in person again. I talk with Nicole cox a lot and she is really trying to push getting everything going i mean i know california is going to be really tough because their yeah. governor's an asshole so uh i don't know man i mean some of these states are really pushing this long and other ones are willing to open up and do things so it's uh, going to really depend on what each state has to do you know so yeah. um you know we're just kind of playing it by ear race by race any i mean they point the finger where we're going i'm ready to go you know what i mean yeah. so cool me too. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Uh, so before we wind it down, anything else you wanted to to go over or uh, share no, regarding Motor America or whatever? Good, man. I, like I said, I'm uh, I'm ready to go. My bike's ready to go. Uh, I'm really excited to do some racing. You know, I uh, like you said, this has been a lot of fun. Motor America has been so much fun and a lot of really cool people out there and friends and family. And, uh, you know, I, I'm pumped, man. I'm getting itchy dude so <laughs> yeah let's go let's go let's go that, that's like the uh the title of the last episode i put out was uh jonesing to get back to the track so that, oh. that's that's like where i'm at so i actually i'm gonna go, go ride mini moto tomorrow uh, oh nice they're going out to the they opened the car track back up we actually got kicked out by the cops on last weekend they oh, came wow. in breaking orders and so yeah, we didn't leave yeah. we stayed anyways but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah. But yeah so they opened it back up and we're heading out tomorrow man so i'm gonna do some training and uh you know like i said there's a local race here on the 16th to kind of get my head back in the game and then i'm heading off to wisconsin if it's on so nice so uh if uh if people want to get some uh graphics design work or custom bike liveries or something what's what's the best way for people to contact you yeah they can message me on uh, facebook or instagram you know to, uh, 213 hammers my instagram i'm you know i'm always up on there and you can message me directly through there i have a facebook page that's uh i think it's hammer 213 or 213 hammer um you can't miss it it's got the pink bike on the cover so um yeah you can always just pm me uh or message me whenever and you know i do like you know name logos for guys and i photoshop up graphics and you know a lot of the stuff i do by hand, you know, I do lay all the graphics myself. I don't really do like, you know, some of the other guys with like kits that they put together that I send off. So, but mostly I do local bikes and there's a, you know, a club in Colorado. So it's, there's hundred bikes that need to get done every year. So, okay. so, so I do, you're, you're busy. Like, a lot of the race posters for Moto America for a lot of the guys, Toby Comsuk and uh, Chris Turner and, you know, me and, you know, all those, yeah, a couple of those dudes I did uh, Moto America posters for some guys for oh, Daytona. Cool. Uh, so I do, you know, doing the posters for the racer guys and, you know, so just whatever, man, I'm always down, you know, when I'm on the road, I can work remotely. So sitting yeah. in between is I can, you know, help guys out and, you know, design stuff and just email and Dropbox files and whatever. So cool, cool, cool. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll collect up all your social media links and stuff and they'll, they'll go in the show notes for the podcast so people can find it. Okay. Right on, man. Yeah. 
All right. Awesome. So listen, Jason, man, this has been a ton of fun. I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. Um, if you want to yeah, hang tight with chat a little bit, I'm just going to uh, shut down the recording. Cool, dude. Sounds good. All right, Thanks. man. Have yeah. a good one. Appreciate it. Yep. Right on. If you'd like to find out more about my podcast or find the earlier podcast episodes, just point your web browser to soyouwantaridamotorcycle.com or find the link in the show notes included with this episode in your podcast app. If you have any questions about the show or the topics discussed, or if you want to send me feedback, you can email me anytime at soyouwantaride at yahoo.com. That address is also in the podcast notes. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I share lots of links to other people's motorcycle articles and video content, as well as providing a lot of my own motorcycle-related photos and content. Just search for So You Want to Ride or find the links on my website or, again, in the podcast notes. There are two big ways you can help support the show. One is free and one is paid. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, you can donate using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher or just click the donate link at the upper right on my website. I also now have a podcast supporters page on the website, which lists all of the listeners who are supporting the podcast. Total donations of $5 to $9 will make you a member of the Thumper Club, where I'll list your name and any social media links that you want to provide. Donations of $10 and up will make you a member of one of the other clubs where I'll include your photo and biography as well as any links you want to provide. Any commercial organization that would like to support the podcast to help promote their products and services can contact me directly for the available options. All donations will be put to very good use to cover operating expenses and to help promote and expand the podcast. Anything you care to donate will be greatly appreciated. The free way to help is just help me spread the word so we can continue to grow my online and listener communities. So please share the link to my podcast and my social media with family, friends, and coworkers. And also, please leave me a rating and some comments on iTunes and any other place where you can leave feedback or mention the show. As always, thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 